welcome back to another episode of the Parasite Dog Podcast. Today we have Casper Schultz who will be joining us. Casper is currently the president and co-founder of Innovative Medicine, a company dedicated to transforming healthcare through an advanced and truly comprehensive form of personalized integrative medicine. His work in medicine has garnered the attention from top medical minds across six continents, including Nobel laureates, top CEOs, Hollywood royalty, and best-selling authors. In addition, he oversees the New York Center for Innovative Medicine, NYCIM, a renowned medical center that attracts patients from all over the world. He is passionate about changing medicine and helping more people heal in a smarter way. Enough said. Welcome, Casper. All right, Casper, I am super excited to have you on the podcast. I know you have a wealth of knowledge. Um, I share a lot of your posts on my personal page. I know my followers love your content as well. So number one, thank you for you know investing time and being here today because I know you're going to help a lot of people. Um, I want to start off with your journey. So how did you specifically get into healthcare and and how did you you know land up where you are? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I l- ended up here because I was born into it, I say. Uh, my, my father was a doctor. My mother's a psychologist, a PhD as well. So a doctor too. They're both doctors. Um, yeah, I, I grew up just in a different childhood. Basically, my parents were immigrants from Poland. So I had a European immigrant mentality, work hard, you know, tough it out and everything. But also they were doctors that at the time when I was growing up in the 80s, they were switching from a conventional base where my father was an anesthesiologist. My mother just knew, you know, normal psychotherapy to more of a holistic base. And they started to travel the world because they were both like, hey, we're getting good results, but not really. You know, our patients are sort of doing better, but requiring more drugs. They're coming in like a revolving door. We get them a little better, they get worse, they come back and we keep doing this. This can't be, you know, the right way, what we got into this field for. So they started to travel the world and see what else is out there, solution-based that can help us provide something better for our patients and truly heal them, not just manage their disease. And I got to go along for the ride and it was a beautiful one. I I was not uh, very uh, grateful at the time when I wanted to just chill with my buddies and ride BMX bikes and not be in like Africa or China, learning acupuncture, everything. But uh, no, I look back now and be like, damn, was I blessed and a little brat. Oh, 100%. Because <laughs> so. that wisdom that you accumulated over the years, I mean, like you just said, you know now. That's incredible, really. Yeah. And 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 it led into a time where I was in college and was considering medical school. But I was also like, you know what? My dad was so busy at the hospital all the time. He didn't really like, he wasn't there all the time for my t-ball games and basketball games. And I was like, I, I don't really want to do that. And maybe I'll go a different path. And I ended up going into business school, marketing finance, ended up as like, you know, Wall Street working at State Street Global Advisors and was miserable. Like a mm-hmm. year into it, I was like, this is not for me. This is not my path. Yep. And really fortunately, uh, kind of was like, well, what do I know? You know, you start to be like, what am I good at really? If I thought this was it and it's just not at all resonating with me. And I said, you know, the thing I know is medicine. I've been around it a lot. And even though I can't be a clinician with where I am right now, I know enough about where the shortcomings are, the challenges, the pitfalls especially when you look at integrated medicine, where there isn't like big hospitals and backing and administrators. So I said, let me do that. Let me start to get into how can I help this field, this this industry grow? 
because it was small. Holistic health was, you know, mainly acupuncturists and chiropractors. 100%, Doctors yeah. that got into the field were kind of ostracized at the time in late 90s, early 2000s. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, it's grown a tremendous amount uh, to where now functional medicine, you have all these doctors, you know, or big organizations. And uh, yeah, I was, I was happy to be kind of a part of it, even in helping my father, like figure out all the business side of it into marketing, into building awareness, empowerment tools for patients and really seeing that there's so much you could do in medicine to make it better. And I feel like we're, I just hit the tip of the iceberg with everything. A hundred percent. And I know we were going to talk about biohacking today because that's a huge passion of mine. Um, long story short, I actually started in Western medicine. I kind of had an epiphany, you know, with the, you know, um, apparent blocks in the model and where I could go with what I wanted to do with patients. Um, so that's kind of how I ended up in naturopathic medicine. And I found on my own personal journey, kind of the bio aspect or biohacking mm -hmm. aspects that, you know, are like the hyperbaric oxygen, the ozone therapy, that kind of stuff. So I'm going to give you the floor on that and how you headed into biohacking. Yeah, biohacking was an interesting one because it wasn't around forever, right? Mm -hmm. Like Dave Asprey, the father of biohacking, like, you know, he he wasn't around in the early 2000s. He was around, but he didn't really create this until later right. in the 2000s. And even then it didn't really pick up that much. But the interesting thing was that we were utilizing technology in the early 2000s that now all the biohackers use, but we were using it on disease. Okay. So we were using it in a different way where people would come to us with disease and we were doing things like biocharger, oxygen therapy, uh, different ozone therapies, everything. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, when, when that started to get big in the biohacking world, it, it caught my attention. Like, Hey, I've been doing this forever. Like NAD. Yeah. Like everyone loves it in biohacking. Like we've been using IVs for people with Parkinson's with tremors, with neurological uh, disorders for a long time. It's seen great results. Okay. And it dawned on me that biohacking is the starting point of where medicine ends. And let me explain that really quickly. Cause medicine looks at you only go to a doctor really, if you're sick, that that's usually, you know, 95%, I would say of patients are people that are sick with something, symptoms, chronic disease, whatever it is, you go to a doctor and you get to a point of, uh, I would say self healing and organization where you're not sick anymore, if you're truly healed in a sense, but you're not yet optimized. And that's where biohacking starts. It's usually people that are already at a spot somewhere where they're not chronically ill, or if they are, you know, that that's more medicine based, but they're now trying to optimize their health. And I love that because I thought that's what medicine should be. It should not be disease management. It should be optimization of health. And that's why the whole like, you know, healthcare system is bullshit. It's like, it doesn't care about your health. It cares about keeping you sick, but just managing your symptoms. So you don't feel as bad. You got a headache, take this pill. It's not why'd you hit the headache. It's not let's optimize you. So you don't have that headache next time. You know, that's what biohacking was about. And that's what I felt medicine should be about. So I really support the biohacking world because I feel like it's part of medicine. It really is. It's just taking over where medicine has stopped in a sense, but I'd love to meld the two. I'd love to say, listen, medicine is about optimizing your health. You don't, you could come to your doctor, to our clinic, if you're completely healthy. We love that. We want to prevent you from ever getting disease and take you to the highest optimal self you can be in your own health, which is mind, body, spirit. So that was kind of like, you know, that's why I got introduced to like Dave Asprey and others in the field. I was just like, hey, I just vibe with these people because we have the same goal. We want to see your happiest and healthiest. And 
That's exactly what I thought medicine should have been from the start. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's an inherent fault with medicine. And, you know, I mean, medicine has its place. We all know that, you know, yeah. in, in acute situations, it's fantastic. But it seems to be the mental barrier, actually. And this is something that I experienced personally when I was transitioning from the, the Western model to the naturopathic model is the complete resistance um, from my personal colleagues uh, about, you know, natural medicine and where it stands. And I think that also comes from, you know, all of the propaganda and all of the things that are said about natural medicine and how it's fake and not as effective. But then as a patient who I have seen in my clinic, who, who get these fantastic results and they've been in the medical model, like you said, the sick model for years and years and years, and then they come in and then three weeks later, one of my patients just, you know, went from chronic fatigue to absolutely no fatigue in three weeks. And it was a simple dietary change and an addition of a supplement, which is what we should be doing. Like you said, it should be, you know, we should be improving health. There's places like Japan where physicians actually get paid for improving health. That's how their medical yeah. model works. So, I mean, we know how we got here and unfortunately we are here, but I love that, you know, there's people like you talking about the biohacking stuff and, you know, changing the, the conversation around medicine, because there are unfortunately a lot of people who are sick and a lot of people who are now looking for answers and we're, we're making that move and it's taking time, but I think we are getting there. Um, and I know you wanted to talk a little bit about redefining kind of integrative medicine. What does that look like to you? Yeah, I, I think that term in general is is one that has a lot of mystery around it and confusion because, you know, what, what does that define that yourself? Everyone has a different definition of, oh, you're just integrating other things. Right. What are those other things? Because some stop it. Oh, you get a little like a hyperbaric chamber. You do a Myers cocktail. You're integrated medicine, mm -hmm. which is somewhat true. You're integrating different things. But I always saw it as, and I make this analogy a lot, and I, I was big into mixed martial arts many years ago, okay. and just following it. I didn't do it myself, but I love watching UFC, the early days and everything. And in the early days, if you watched it, it was specialty versus specialty. It was, you had, you know, uh, Ken Shamrock, the wrestler, the rough, tough guy that was a street brawler versus Gracie, who was jujitsu master. So... You had these specialties. It's like the gastroenterologist versus the neurologist, right? That went against each other and they battled each other. What they learned through going against each other and actual like, you know, seeing each other is that you can't ever do just one. And that's why it was called mixed martial arts. You had to know all of these things. You had to be an amazing wrestler, Muay Thai, boxer, uh, you know, everything. And those are the ones that actually were the best at their, you know, sport or, or what they did. And that is so what is missing in medicine. Everyone goes down a little specialty and we like to separate and go into subspecialties of that specialty, not looking at the complete body and all the solutions that are offered to get someone truly healthy. So when you start to look at the toolkit of what integrative medicine should be in redefining it, it should be all viable solutions from European biological medicine, functional medicine, conventional medicine, psychology, spiritual practices, ancient stuff to really modern AI stuff. Yep. That should all be put on the table. And we should say what is best for the patient, not their diagnosis, not the disease, not a protocol, but literally looking at each patient individually, understanding what their root causes are, and then going into this very comprehensive toolkit that is not just a hammer and a saw, but it has everything there and being able to say, well, for this, this is best and for that and putting it together very neatly, like a picture, like it is an artistry to it. 
It isn't this sort of technicality where, oh, I read you have this, we put you on this. It's so simplistic and it doesn't work. If it worked, we'd be much healthier than we are. Over 60% of us are chronically ill. We got to admit, I think conventional medicine does wonderfully with acute emergency things. You break a bone, you get in an accident, amazing. We need you, right? You get a acute infection, antibiotics work if it's bacterial. Um, but on the whole, chronic disease, we are losing that battle with the conventional approach. Integrative medicine as redefined this way, not sort of like, oh, chiropractor versus acute, both. You need energy medicine, you need manipulation, maybe you need both at the same time. And that's why, you know, jumping around from, and this is the problem, I think, with alternative medicine also, it's specialties, right? So I'm seeing the, the future of it is this new age of integrative medicine where everyone's working together. You have your conventional specialists, you have your acupuncture, your spiritual people, your, your new age, like, you know, everyone's there to be able to give input and they all work together, not against each other, which yes. is sometimes feels. I'm actually, I'm really glad you said that. Um, just because from being on, like I said, so many sides, I got to see how different uh, models work, right? So I saw how the Western model worked. I, I saw how the naturopathic model worked. And I actually went to Chinese medicine school for a little bit. So I kind of saw how that model worked. And I find that there is a resistance. I don't know if it's a dominance or an egoic kind of resistance of there's only one right and I am right. And that's kind of the leading model of practitioners. But I agree with you. We need to be able to kind of blend and mold and take the best of, of all worlds and kind of create from there because with resistance, we're not helping people. And I, I find that even in my industry, like I love naturopathic medicine. It's great, but it has its inherent faults. It has places where, you know, we can't take people or, or things that are missing. And, you know, we need Western medicine or we need chiropractors or we need, like you said, spiritual people who are going to work on that deeper emotional level that we can't get to necessarily. So yeah, blended healthcare really needs to be the future. And I'm just curious, you know, how you think that's going to happen? Like, how do you think we're going to get there? And, and what is that going to look like? I think we get there being in it so long, like 20 years in the industry, like, you know, you could say 40 years because I grew up and that's mm -hmm. how old I am. But, uh, you know, look, looking at it from that lens, it has to start with the demand of the patient. This is what pharmaceutical companies know. That's why they advertise to patients when patients can't even buy the drug. Right. right? Yeah. Why do they do that? Because the demand is with the patient and the doctors follow. When you go to a doctor, you say, hey, I saw that beautiful commercial with people dancing and like running around. I have that disease. Give me that pill. They actually say yes most of the time. That's the truth. That's why you have so much advertising in, in big pharma. Um, but you have to do the same for medicine as a whole. And you're seeing this. More and more people are turning to functional and others because they the solutions in conventional are not there for them. And they're looking. And what is more important than your health? Honestly, when you lose it, talk to any patient with chronic disease that can't get out of bed, that can't live their life that can't go out and contribute and feel worthless at times. You, they will go to all ends of the earth for a solution. And that is where integrative functional, like this new age of medicine, this new paradigm is giving them solutions. And so as, as more people start to demand this, you will see it grow and change. That is the big thing. But you have you know a very entrenched old way of doing that has so much money and power that is keeping people from kind of making that switch. 
it again is, you know, attacking the other side as, oh, that's not scientific and everything. And I would say, go by experience. Anyone could show me a scientific study that's paid for by someone that shows something yep. that they want to show, right? <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> if, if you ask, if you ask someone what their experience is with it, I don't think most people on that drug will be like, yeah, without that, I'm healthy and happy. No, the drug is what's keeping you alive, but that's not a good thing. You are reliant on a drug. Let's say it. you're addicted to a drug and that drug has lots of side effects and all sorts of things. So it's chemical. But those that go through true healing are transformed. They come out the other end. They're self-managing themselves. They feel better. They go on to do amazing things. Anyone that's truly healed, not just gotten rid of their symptoms, can tell you it is a, a transformative and transmutative alchemical process. You come out something better and your life is forever changed. And so that's a beautiful thing. And that's where we need to go to. And that's a big thing I say of the difference between healing versus treating. You know, you, anyone could treat someone and just keep them on a drug. That's lazy to me. To heal takes a little bit of effort, if not a lot of effort sometimes, but it is way more worth it. There's so much more value to it. And I think as more people see that and experience, unfortunately, disease, then we will start to change the model around because it will be absolutely necessary. There 100%. will be no other way we can go except sickness and death, which none of us want really. Yeah. And, and you're right. It's always the chronic sufferers. And that was my own right. personal experience because when you're looking for answers, you're looking for answers. And if you're not getting them, you're looking in any place possible. Um, one of the things actually I do want to touch on with you is, is the role of subconscious and emotional healing. Personally, mm. I I use it with patients. I feel like you have to. Um, and, you know, my perspective might be a little bit different um, when I'm talking about like origin and root. There is always an emotional root. There's something that's going on in the subconscious mind that creates that environment in the person where disease can develop. What is your experience with that emotional role and that emotional root? Well, emotions are such a big part of, you know, disease formation and and the ability to stay in a disease state you know so many people like to look at you know just the physical side of things yeah. it's the functional lab test it's the ivs it's all of that that show you a certain but it, it doesn't go into that mind emotional psychological state of everything that is actually more important i would say it's more of an initiating factor and again you, you could say well you know where's the science and i look at hpa axis look at things like you know that that go much deeper into uh you know pnei and everything that that are initiating factors so you know a, a patient that is not willing to address their emotional states is a patient that will never truly heal it's unfortunate and when you talk about the subconscious it's really interesting because so many of us walk around with these belief systems that we don't even know they're just playing since childhood since you know time repressed memory things like that we don't even know and we wonder why i'm doing everything right and yet I'm still sick. And when everyone says I'm doing everything, I go, are you really doing everything right? Because you may not even know that you have a belief system in your subconscious that is running, that is keeping you sick. And until you address that, you will always be sick. You may have better days, but the truth is true healing cannot happen unless you address all the aspects. And in some way, that's almost a, a spiritual element of it, the consciousness state, right, that so many forget or dismiss is so critically important. And that's when you look at medicine as this kind of body, mind, spirit, which is the biochemical, the PNEI, the consciousness state and, you know, cell membrane potential and all that. That's what really matters that we look at all that and address it at the same time. 
So I think it's critical. And that's why, you know, my, my mother and father with this dynamic duo of being a psychologist that was very spiritually approached everything, Jungian and, you know, looked at biofeedback and all these things. And my father was like, you know, conventionally trained doctor, but loved European biological medicine, Western medicine. So I look at like that, that duo needs to be replicated amongst lots of different clinics and centers everywhere so we could address the emotional with the physical and the spiritual as well as those repressed emotions mm -hmm. and the unconscious. I'm glad that you actually brought up PNEI because that is a huge passion of mine. And I feel like it's it's almost kind of a lost art or lost science, actually. The textbook I bought, I think, was from like Italy in 1980. It was written um, oh, wow. and it, it was so well developed and so well written. And I, I feel like, I mean, personally, going through medical school, we weren't taught about connection. We were, you know, ingrained from the very beginning that there was specialties. There's cardiovascular, there's respiratory, and that's how they teach you. They teach you pathology that way. Then they teach you pharmaceuticals that way. So your brain inherently kind of creates that model. But then when you sit with a patient in front of you, and I don't know, I was given kind of like a God-given brain that looks at patterns. So it's like yeah. why every single person who sits in front of me who has, for instance, fibromyalgia has a very similar personality, a very similar belief system. And then I'm looking at people who have chronic fatigue syndrome. And again, we're seeing like the same kind of personality, emotional structure going on. And when you fix that, when you actually break it down to kind of the level of, you know, this isn't just, you know, your gut health as an issue. It isn't just your immune system attacking you. There's something going on in your mind that is giving you that, you know, breakdown that's creating that, that physiological response. And a lot of the times if we go back there, I find it's kind of like, if you heal the root, then everything gets better. You know what you I mean? Know, if it, I mean, the disease is there for a reason to teach you something. It's it's to uplift you. You know, so many people look at diseases as a terrible thing. It's a wonderful kind of, uh, you know, the canary in the coal mine hmm. of showing you something is off, yeah. right? Let's let's fix this. So if you look at it this way, it's a, it's a wonderful warning signal for your life to change something, to turn it around. Sometimes it takes a while to get there. But if you approach it the way you talk about, mm -hmm. then you'll get there quicker and you'll come out the si other side better. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So reinventing, I guess, this new model, one of the questions I do have for you is I know, you know, alternative medicine in terms of its accessibility in Canada, it is privatized. You guys in America, I know everything is, is typically privatized, so you're paying for it no matter what. Um, but I'm wondering in terms of accessibility for patients, like I do know, you know, alternative medicine is expensive. Um, and especially if you don't have benefits, you know, we can't access everybody that's kind of the model that we're in. What are you seeing with accessibility and how do you think that's going to change in the future? Well, number one, I would say it's not as expensive conventional medicine. You just don't see the bill usually, right? In conventional medicine. If you saw it, you'd be like, oh, damn, like, all right, 10,000 for one night and nothing happens and I'm still sick. And then, you know, it could be a few hundred thousand if you're talking about cancer treatments that usually don't work. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's all relative. You just don't happen to see it up front, but I, I think the problem with this is the, the problem anything has in its infancy. And I still do believe the new way of alternative medicine is its infancy because it was the ancient ways that were forever. It's just been lost in the last hundred years. Um, I think with anything, if you look at it from a business perspective, it's as you scale up, you can bring down costs. 
And there are people out there, I know, you know, James Maskell and others started the functional forum that are talking about how do we do that by bringing in not just doctors that are, you know, costly and not as efficient, but bringing in health coaches, doing group sessions. How can we bring down the cost over time? But I have to say, where I think you bring down the cost the most is preventive medicine. You don't wait till you get a disease in a sense. You start early and you start kids young in an integrative realm. Once you start kids young in a conventional realm, they're already kind of screwed, I have to say. You know, you put them on a bunch of antibiotics, which totally screws with their gut microbiome, which puts them in depression, which, you know, then you can't absorb nutrients, right? Then you have ADHD. Then you put you on another drug. You're screwed by the time you're 10 if you're a kid in the conventional realm. And you're not going to be the same. You're going to end up with chronic disease probably sooner than later. And it's going to keep going younger and younger. That's what we're seeing in our clinic. It's like, 10, 20 years ago, yeah, you're in your 50s and 60s when you got chronic disease. Now you're in your 20s and 30s, and you have cancer, and it's scary. So, so I would say if you're talking about it from the financial standpoint and accessibility, it's number one, of course, you need to change demand for people want it more. That brings down costs as more people are involved in it. And I'll say this, healthcare plays a part in this insurance, I'm saying. And I know we've been invited to India, the largest healthcare system over there, Bupa invited us out there to talk about because they realized with over a billion people that are all getting westernized disease, they can't last in that. That is not sustainable. It's really expensive to treat people, you know, who have these diabetes and uh, hypertension every year over and over. They want to get ahead of it. They want to say, how do we prevent our population from becoming diseased and cover these things for them? Because they will save money in the long run, right? So I, I think when you look at it from a logical standpoint, it's just like, hey, let's take a step back. What's going to cost us more money? Keeping this system and spending lots of money to just keep people managing their disease or getting ahead of it, introducing this new whole field and not and preventing disease from ever happening. That is a much, much more efficient way and financially responsible way as well. And everyone wins in that model. 100%. Yeah. And I think the goal, like you said, it needs to come back to patient care. What do the patients yeah. want? Let's help the patients. Patient-centered, you know, that's where yeah, we're going. Yeah. Yeah. Move away from sick care in general. Like, unfortunately, it is true. A lot of companies profit when you're sick. That That is the, you know, that there's nothing, uh, you know, uh, uh, hidden or secret about that. Um, so I think we just got to move away from it. And kind of for us as, as individuals to say, let me place health first. And it starts with me. If I am, if my daily actions are healthy ones, I will be healthier, be healthier for society, all these things. And it'll impact others. And I think that's how you start to change and make a wave that overcomes this old system that wants us sick. Right. Yeah. And I completely agree with you. I wish I could get into that because I, I know that I have a lot of convert or questions around kind of, you know, the medical model, the sick model, but we do have to wrap up here. Um, Casper, how can people connect with you? How can they come to your clinic? Give us a little bit of information on that. Yeah, they can head over to InnovativeMedicine.com. So that's the company I run, Innovative Medicine. We have a clinic in New York. We're looking to open on the West Coast and other places as well shortly. So get more accessibility as we talked about. Uh, they can follow me on Instagram, Casper Schultz. That's C-A-S-P-A-R-S-Z-U-L-C. Really tough name, I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do a weekly newsletter. You can find everything on there and send that out. And uh, yeah, I like to connect with people who have questions through there and just share my thoughts on the field and what's going on there. 
Beautiful. And I will put all of that in the show notes. So if anybody wants to reach out to Casper, you can find all that information there. So thank you so much again for your time. Yes. Truly thank value you. it, like gratitude for you being here and making the time to kind of educate my audience as well. So thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. And that wraps up another episode of the Parasite Doc podcast. Thank you again for being here. We'd love to connect with you on our Instagram account, which is the Parasite Doc. My main account is also the Parasite Doctor. Of course, I'm on TikTok at the Parasite Doc, as well as YouTube, which is the Parasite Doc or Dr. Melanie Garrett, MD. If you'd like to check out my website, you can also do so at theparasitedoc.com or drmelaniegarrett.com. We thank you so much for being here. I always value your feedback. I'd love to know what you thought about the show or if there's anybody in particular that you'd like us to hear or interview or talk to. I would love to hear that as well as any topics. Thanks again. We'll see you next time on the show.